Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. 2023 is the year of the quarterback. Hurts has all day. Taking a shot. There's a galaxy of cannon-armed field generals taking the NFL by storm. Herbert with time down the sideline. Look in the end zone. Who will hoist the Lombardi trophy when the confetti falls? Mahomes in trouble. Gets away. Mahomes racing with the bad ankle and all. Somehow Patrick Mahomes. On Saturdays, it's a season of final acts. Caleb Williams throws the fade in the corner. Legacy programs are leaving their old rivals for new destinations. I'm inviting the University of Oregon to be a member of the Big Ten. The bitterness is everywhere. Prime time! Dia wins his first one! We chronicle it all right here on Sunday Morning Football, only on CBS Sports Radio. And a happy Sunday morning to you, everybody. Thanks so much as we head into week two of the NFL season. D.A. Damon Amendolara with you over the next two hours. The Lions got an opening night victory at Arrowhead. They're trying to follow that up to go to 2-0. and We'll talk to one of the best players in franchise history, Lomas Brown, a seven-time Pro Bowl or a standout offensive lineman who protected the blind side of quarterbacks of the 90s and blocked for the great Barry Sanders Lomas as the Lions have their home opener will join us coming up in 20 minutes in 40 minutes excessive celebration your best play-by-play calls of yesterday's college football action next hour Mitch Moss CBS Sports Lines senior analyst from a Vegas standpoint is going to join us to look at the line today around the NFL. All of that coming up this morning here on the show. As always, you can listen to us many, many ways. We are across the great CBS Sports Radio Network every single Sunday. Also, you can listen to us on Sirius XM Channel 158 Sunday mornings. And use your phone. You can listen to us using the free Odyssey app or the free CBS Sports app. Plus, if you're Around the house, getting things done today, we can make it easy for you. Tell your smart speaker to play CBS Sports Radio. Have us on around the house, in the garage as you get ready for the day. Just tell your smart speaker, play CBS Sports Radio. Well, the first month of the season has been owned in the headlines by Colorado. And nothing was different about that yesterday as two different pregame shows descended upon Boulder, Foxes, and ESPN's College Game Day. We had to wait all day long for Colorado State and Colorado to kick things off after 10 o'clock Eastern time is when it finally began last night. And for good measure, a late kick nearing 10.30 Eastern 
reach double overtime. Colorado escapes with its third win. And so we wait to see what the pollsters think about a team that did stack another victory but had to go to double OT and trailed Colorado State by double digits in the fourth quarter despite being a 23-point favorite. So for the Colorado Buffaloes, yesterday, what did last night prove? Let's start things up with your Sunday Gunslinger. In football's Wild West, he shoots from the hip. We need men like him to make towns safe for decent people. DA is the Sunday Gunslinger. When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. All right, let's do it. I think that yesterday proved, last night proved, that Colorado's got a tenacity to close games out, not to wilt. That even though they trailed by 11 points in the fourth quarter, they've got an offense that can just fly and score in the snap of a finger. So they're never out of games. They showed a fight last night, and they showed that their offense can score no matter how much time is on the clock. And Shador Sanders once again had a great game under center for the Buffs. But what it also showed was that Colorado is still a team that can mess around and nearly lose to Colorado State. So we can't put them as Pac-12 champs or college football playoff constituents or something like this just yet. Let's listen in to Mark Johnson and Colorado Buffalo's radio network. Second down at 14. Again, 46 ticks remaining. Buffs down by eight. Shadour steps over the pocket. Flushed to the near side. Rifles hit downfield. Jimmy Hart Jr. at the 14. Eludes a man to the end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Colorado. Hawk the horn. Jimmy found the end zone. And we're two points away from a tie game with 36 seconds remaining. We do it in practice all the time, so it's not really a shocking or a surprise to it. It's just like, okay, we like those high-pressure moments. Like, that's that's what we live in, and that's. I wish the whole game was just straight that. Honestly, that's when I say we excel. But really, like, in my own mind, I was thinking Brady mode. Like, he does it all the time. I got to be able to do it. Just talking to him, just, you know, and really just representing him in that way. Takes the snap, scans, steps up, looking to throw, rifles it to the end side. And it's picked off by Trevor Woods. And the Buffs win in double overtime. What a Rocky Mountain showdown. Prime and the Buffaloes go to 3-0, remain undefeated. And the pasture poodles head north with a loss tonight here in Boulder. Truthfully, it's one point in the game I said, we can't let this dude win. Ain't no way we let this dude win, (laughs) you know. His press conference is going to be unbearable if we let this dude win. And uh, But I knew even when we got the ball on the two or three, four-yard line, I said, uh, as long as the ball is in Shador's hands, we're going to get down this field. I knew that without a shadow of a doubt. Dion talking about head coach Jay Norvell of the Colorado State Rams who took his shot at the sunglasses and hats that Dion wears during interviews. I think there was a lot of assumptions that going into this game – CU and Dion were going to use that as uber motivation and we're going to get blown out and it was such a stupid thing for Norvell to do. 
I think we saw that it didn't really matter that he said it. In fact, it could have only helped because they were supposed to get trucked by CU, and they led 28-17 to 17 midway through the, the fourth quarter. But those afterburners that CU has offensively were, were very clear, and the, the play, the read, the slotting out of the pocket and finding Jimmy Horn from Shador Sanders on the game-tying touchdown at the end of regulation was just a thing of beauty. That is just a wonderful quarterback play. It's a throw. It's a vision, all of that. And then in overtime and double overtime, CU was able to score both times to put the pressure with touchdowns on Colorado State. So I think that it was a little much ado about nothing when it came to Jay Norvell. And I talked about this on Friday's show. I didn't have a problem with what Jay Norvell said. I think people assume that it was just going to make mincemeat of Colorado State. And my point was, well, they're already a 20-point underdog. So whatever you think is going to happen, it can't get much worse than that. And if we allow Deion Sanders to utilize media coverage for his own gain, you can't then not allow opposing coaches to do the same thing because they're around that same spotlight. I mean, Jay Norvell bumped draft the attention that Deion Sanders has created by taking a shot at Deion Sanders. And Deion is going to catch a lot of that because he he uses his attention to leverage his own program and others will try to do the same thing. So got to have even rules for both. And Colorado survives 43-35. Let's see what the pollsters say about needing double OT to, to beat a team that you were three touchdown favorites over. Earlier in the evening, just earlier, we saw the Florida Gators get a massive victory at home in the swamp against Tennessee, and the ghosts still haunt the Vols when it comes to going to Gainesville and winning. Let's listen in to Sean Kelly via Learfield. Merch will reach under center here. Right hash. Takes the snap. Push Quarterback down. sneak. Pushes ahead. Waiting, waiting, waiting. still waiting. waiting. Touchdown, Gators. What I'm proud about is that we talked about that up front. We said, look, adversity is going to happen in this season. What are we going to do? And the the thing we decided is we're going to look internally, see, okay, what can I do better for the team? How can I serve the team better? And I mean, I think across the board, I saw that guys took that to heart. They looked at their uh, what they were doing. And how can I how, how can I be better for everybody next to me? Pearsall motions around the backfield. Mertz makes the handoff under pressure, dumps it off right side. Johnson broken oh. tackle to 21, 15, 10. Near sideline cuts back inside the five. He's in, he's in, he's in. Touchdown, Gators! What a play! You know, I think in this league, home field advantage is a big deal, and um, they were a factor tonight. There's no question. I mean, how many? Procedure penalties did the, did the crowd create? You know, and I think Austin had a really good plan. We stemmed the front on occasion, but they were a factor. You know, all the third downs, the fourth downs, uh, really significant. So very thankful for that. Ninety thousand strong. So that was Billy Napier, who desperately needed a victory like that. Let's face it: after the way that the Gators were manhandled by Utah in the opener. There was very little patience going on in Gainesville for Napier, so he desperately needed this. But you know what? Florida always beats Tennessee in Gainesville, always. And last night's game was 
really stark because the Tennessee offense, led by Joe Milton, goes down the field on that opening touchdown drive to make it 7 nothing, and you're like, okay, off to the races for a really good offense. And then between that drive that went 71 yards and their final touchdown throw, the one to McCoy, which cut the lead to 13 with eight minutes to play, there was nothing. Tennessee's offense for basically 45 minutes of the night was completely invisible. They had no offense for 45 minutes. And this is one of the best offenses in the nation after last season. So that was very alarming. And then from a defensive standpoint, I mean, the Vols tackling was hideous. That touchdown run by Trevor Etienne to tie things up early, or at least put the the touchdown to the board for, for Florida as the PAT was blocked, I mean, you're talking about guys just whiffing or trying to put their shoulder into ETN without actually wrapping them up. It was brutal. So Tennessee got what it deserved. Its offense was awful last night, and its defense wasn't much better. And the Gators come up with an absolutely massive victory, and Billy Napier desperately needed that one. Finally, in the NFL, we all know what happened on Monday night at MetLife Stadium for Aaron Rodgers, meeting Zach Wilson is now in as the starter again. And his gift is a trip to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. For those who are optimistic, Zach Wilson believers after Monday night, you're in for a rude awakening. Let's listen in as Zach Wilson and the New York Jets prepare for a fierce Cowboys defense. From the three, second down goal, Wilson under center. Looks at a four-man front for the Bills. The snap, the drop back, the side up, throwing the end zone, bobbled, falling down. He caught it. Wilson caught it. Garrett Wilson caught it for a touchdown. Bobbling the ball, reels it in, falls on his back. A yard deep in the end zone at the pylon. I do want to make it very clear, uh, Zach's our quarterback. Um, we got a lot of faith in Zach. We're really excited about his opportunity, um, but we're, we're rolling with Zach and um, and excited for this, uh, excited for him and, like I said, this opportunity that he's going to get. I'm just having tons of fun. I'd say that's more than more than anything. You know, the belief in the guys around me and being able to go out there and just know that every single day is going to be a blast, no matter what happens. And you know, you you make a mistake, you fail, you're able to learn from those, and you understand you're going to just keep working to get better, and that's all you can do. You heard Kevin Harlan on Westwood One. Zach Wilson was the number two pick in the draft a couple of years ago, and the Jets had big designs on him. But the fact that we're now into this deep into his career and people are still like, oh, what do we have here? Uh, Can he grow up soon? Oh, what has he learned? Is really indicative of a quarterback that is not going to get it. Now, I'm not saying his career is over, but I think the ship has sailed on him being a real go-to dynamic perennial pro bowl type of quarterback I think if he had that he would have shown something already and he really hasn't now we all know the Jets have a really good defense Brees Hall looked dynamic in his return to the field they've got a great wide receiver in Garrett Wilson so there's pieces for Zach Wilson to be able to to take advantage of here but he his opening challenge is now going to be going to Dallas against one of the best defenses and pass rushes in football. I think this one's going to be a demolition by the Cowboys. I think that Zach is going to throw some really ill-advised passes, and I think that you're going to see the Cowboys win relatively easily. 
and the Zach Wilson believers are going to have to put a pipe in it for a while, at least for another week, because I don't think we're going to see much today that makes us believe that the Jets are going to be okay without Aaron Rodgers. Okay, when we come back here on the show, the Detroit Lions had one of the most impressive victories of week number one, the way that they opened things up at Arrowhead Stadium. And now, for the Lions, they're really enjoying this. They will open up the home slate of their season with the Seattle Seahawks later on today. Lomas Brown was one of the best offensive linemen in franchise history. He opened up holes for Barry Sanders back in the 90s, and now he's a member of the radio network. Well, C.J. Gardner-Johnson of the Lions says, we're the villains now. We're coming to take what's ours. And he says, we're the villains. And so he wore a ski mask, a blue ski mask, to the opener against the Chiefs. This has caught fire. In In Detroit, Lions fans went on Amazon and everywhere else to find blue ski masks this week to wear to the game today. So the Lions and the Lions fan base has been activated for this afternoon's kick against the Seahawks. It's an early kick from Detroit. So we're going to talk to Lomas Brown about all of that and what he learned from the Lions in week number one with the win over the Chiefs coming up here next. D.A. Damon Amendolara, this is Sunday Morning Football on CBS Sports Radio. NFL action begins next Sunday with the NFL Today, followed by a full slate of regional games. You'll say, you saw it on CBS Sports. It's Sunday Morning Football with D.A. Welcome back to CBS Sports Radio, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. D.A., Damon Amendolara with you. And the Detroit Lions are one of the biggest stories in the NFL after a week one victory in Kansas City to kick off the season. Our next guest is a member of their radio broadcast team, also a seven-time pro bowler and one of the great Lions offensive linemen ever, one of the great players in franchise history, part of their all-time team and 75th anniversary team. He's also a college football Hall of Famer as well after a standout career at Florida. Joining us here on the show is Lomas Brown. Lomas, how you doing? I'm doing great. Wow, you made the big solo sound. Good. (laughs) Well, it's good to have you here on the show. And, man, everything changes in just a couple of years. What's the vibe right now in Detroit as the Lions are feeling good after week one? Oh, yeah, man, it is. That's that's exactly right. It's a vibe around here. And we're feeling it right now. I mean, we're psyched up. The fans are excited. Uh, I think the team is excited. I don't think they're overly excited. Um, As a matter of fact, I think a lot of those guys expected to win that game, as strangely as it sounds. But this team is on the emotional high, and they're waiting uh, for the Seattle Seahawks this week to come into town. I'll tell you, you know things have changed when the Lions are encouraging their fans to wear ski masks <laughs> and then Amazon's selling out of ski masks. C.J. Gardner-Johnson said, hey, man, new vibe, new sheriff in town. We're coming for what's ours. Let's wear the ski mask because we're coming for what people got. And that has lit the town on fire. So what's it going to be like seeing thousands of ski masks in attendance? Man, it's going to be crazy, man. I mean, the atmosphere, look, before the season started, Season tickets were already sold out. Now you add in, like I say, a victory over the defending champs. 
Then, like I say, CJ getting the crowd ready and getting us all in unison to wear the same thing. It's just going to be a sea of blue out there, and it's going to be a sea of blue uh, face masks. And we want to make it intimidating. We want to make this a home field advantage. So when teams come here, they have to come and use their silent count. And that's what's going to happen on Sunday. You know this as well as anybody in that Lions fans haven't exited. They haven't been not there. They've been there. It's just that the Lions haven't given them much to to talk about. How loyal has this fan base been through the tough times? Oh, my goodness, man. I'm talking about, if you talk about loyal, and talk about loyalty, this is, you put our fan base right up there. Think about it. Last playoff victory, 1991. The last division championship, 1993, over 30 years. Last championship. It was a championship back when it came to Detroit. So we've never been to the Super Bowl, so you know how hungry this fan base is. And it's not just us. The good thing about Detroit, where we're located at, we have the international fan base. So we got our friends over in Canada, five minutes away, that's rooting for us. So, yes, man, if the Lions can ever get to the promised land, believe me, like they used to tell us when we were in the locker room, you would own the state of Michigan. Mm. Lomas Brown joins us from the Detroit Lions radio broadcast. The Lions in week two will host the Seattle Seahawks. So we know Dan Campbell's a different kind of guy, and it felt like, at least after week one, there was also a little bit of expectation, like, yeah, this is what we're supposed to do now. Have you felt like there's been some evolution from Dan Campbell going into this season as the head coach? Yeah, I mean, and that's what happens. You know, any good head coach, he's going to evolve each and every year, just like your team evolves. Just like a player involves each and every year, a head coach does, a coach does in this league. So, yes, I expect Dan to get bolder. You've seen the, the, the uh, fourth down call that he made. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't successful. But, again, making the fourth down call um, in Kansas City, um, you know, some of the things that he's willing to do, that comes with comfort. That comes with you know, evolving as a head coach, feeling confident in your team and what they can do and knowing your personnel, too. So, you know, again, yes, all that is kind of tied, like they say, kind of tied like a hand in the glove. Everything has to be working together. Jared Goff has kind of reclamated his career, reclaimed his career in Detroit, and I'm wondering what you see from him on a on a weekly basis where – he seems to not have taken it personally that the Rams kind of discarded him after going to a Super Bowl and instead has really embraced this. What has allowed him to embrace this opportunity? Yeah, I think one is the community. I mean, I think the fan base now, they've really, really embraced Jared as our own. Again, you know, it was skepticism, you know, when the first guy here, we, you know, we didn't know what to expect, how everything happened, and you lose Matthew Stafford the way you did, and he's gone after 12 years. So, yeah, the fan base was like that, but now, man, they see this guy is full of grit. Man, Jared is talented, man. Jared can put 
touch on the ball when he has to, and he could get it there when he needs to. He's confident. The thing about Jared is he's one way. You know, he's going to stay calm. You don't know whether we're up or down, you know, looking at Jared Goff. So, and that's a good thing if you're a guy in that huddle with him on the offensive side of the ball. And I would say that's a good thing as a team, period, to know that your leader is calm. He's going to be one way through the storm, and that's how Jerry has been. And you're going to see him getting better and better and better each and every throw. How much did that win in Week 18 at Lambeau help energize or give momentum to this team for this season? Well, you know what? I, again, it was big. It really was. There's no doubt in that. Anytime you could get a win over a divisional rival, and especially over a future Hall of Fame quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, all, uh, Rodgers almost kind of exercising some ghosts, some past ghosts off for this team. Yeah, that was big. But again, you have to put in the work during the off season. You know, yeah, that the momentum can carry over, but the work it has to carry over. And that's what these guys came in. That's what they did during the off season. That's what they did during training camp. And you can see the results after the Kansas City win. What about the attitude of of this version of the Lions? Do you think? is something that they haven't had in a long time. What what is the what is the piece of the DNA right now that feels unique? Yeah, I think I think these guys are gonna fight you, man. It's it's just like what we've been saying. Like when you line up against a Detroit Lion team now, you know you're gonna have to line up from that the the beginning of the game to the end of the game. You're gonna have to bring it. You're gonna have to bring it. You're gonna have to bring your lunch pail you know, you're going to have to bring a snack, too. You're going to have to just bring it all because you're going to need it to go go with these guys throughout the whole 60 minutes. I don't know if you could say that before Dan Campbell got here, that the guys played throughout, played the whole game, played hard the whole game. But that's what you're going to get. And you're going to get some young, hungry fellas, man. These young boys, they hungry, man. They want it, and they're going out there trying to get it. So that's what you're going to face when you come into Ford Field and you face the Detroit Lions. What was your favorite snack for game day back in the day? <laughs> hey, I had to have my swine, that bacon. I got, you know, I'm a pork lover. I eat it from the rooter to the tutor. I eat it all <laughs> on the pig. So, hey, I love the swine. Love the swine. So it was bacon. <laughs> from the rooter to the tutor, huh? That's right. All of it. <laughs> He's one of the greatest Lions ever, a member of their radio broadcast team. Week 2 features the Lions hosting the Seattle Seahawks, and there will be tens of thousands of blue ski masks all across Ford Field for this one. <laughs> Lomas, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Have a great call. Absolutely. Take care. The great Lomas Brown joining us here on Sunday Morning Football. In this portion of the show brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck in a timeshare? Want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. Opportune time for Lomas to join us as a statue of Barry Sanders was unveiled this morning outside of Ford Field. The Lions will open up their home slate today, their home opener 
against the Seahawks, and Lomas opened up a lot of holes for Barry Sanders. Barry ran through a lot of holes that weren't there. He made his own way, but pretty cool to have a a day where Lomas joins us, the lines open up at home, and then they have the unveiling of the Barry Sanders statue. Well-deserved, one of the great football players of all time, and had Barry not retired early, would likely still be the NFL's all-time leading rusher. When we come back here on the show, we have excessive celebration. Your best play-by-play calls of yesterday's college football action. And that includes Boston College giving a top five team a scare and an epic kick to win in what used to be a conference showdown. It's coming up here next DA, CBS Sports Radio. This is Sunday Morning Football. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You have a reservation for year-round excitement with CBS Sports. Your ticket to action. It's Sunday morning football with D.A. Thanks so much for being with us, everybody. DA with you here on CBS Sports Radio. We get you set for week number two of the NFL season, which will kick off a little over two hours from now. Coming up next hour here on the show, our Vegas virtuoso Mitch Moss is going to join us to look at some of the lines surrounding today's NFL action. And we'll look inside the grass versus turf debate that has raged since Aaron Rodgers caught his cleat in the field turf at MetLife Stadium on Monday night. Going into yesterday's college football action, not very high hopes. There were no ranked teams playing other ranked teams yesterday, and there was a lot of big spreads, and so it seemed like kind of an unimpressive slate of games throughout the day. And yet, that's exactly when college football likes to surprise you. We had a number of close games between squads that were ranked, especially top five or top ten, against unranked foes that kept it close or held late leads. 
So let's peer inside college football's week number three. Here is excessive celebration. The soundtrack of college football chaos. The announcers losing their minds. We've got a bunch of folks down there. He caught. 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 It's excessive celebration. Florida State ranked number three, Boston College unranked. This one was supposed to be a whitewash by the elite Seminoles up at Chestnut Hill in Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. However, what an impressive effort throughout this night by BC. It looked like midway through the third quarter, Florida State would run and hide. They'd open up a three-touchdown lead, 31-10. to And yet you could not shake the Eagles. They scored three consecutive unanswered touchdowns to make it just a two-point game, 31-29. Here's how it sounded from Boston College last night. Benson to the right, Travis in the gun, three tight ends in the set, Coleman in motion left to right, play action, thrown it over the top to Preston Daniel into the end zone for a second career touchdown grab. Touchdown, Florida State. Touchdown, F.S. Jordan Travis takes the final knee, and that will do it. They got a little nerve-wracking, Knowles fans, but the Garden Gold find a way and get the job done. Let's fire up the war chant and plant the spear. Knowles win. Knowles win. But not before it got a little too hairy there. That's Learfield Sports on the call. Boston College had made it a 31-29 game, down two with five minutes to play and looked like they had the Seminoles stopped to force a punt to get the football back. However, there was a penalty on the play, and Florida State got the automatic first down. When you look at Boston College last night, this was a team that had 18 penalties. They turned the football over. They missed a two-point conversion. They did everything to mess it all up. In fact, they were on the five-yard line and ignored the field goal. So a play here, a play there, and BC would have upset number three Florida State yesterday, which would have been awful. As it were, Florida State needs the wake-up call after the way that they played yesterday. Mizzou and K-State was a classic Big 12 matchup, Big 8 matchup if we go back even further. These are border states, Kansas and Missouri. They don't like one another. They're not far away from one another, but they don't play anymore because Mizzou left for the SEC. But yesterday they did in a non-conference matchup, and Mizzou unranked, taking out the 15th-ranked Wildcats. Here's the voice of the Tigers, Mike Kelly, via Learfield. Good snap, good place. Kick is up. It is... You heard him right, 61 yards at the gun. 
And Mizzou knocks off the Wildcats 30-27 for the Tigers. Brady Cook, 356 yards and two touchdowns in the win. It was a tie game with just a couple of seconds left. And Mizzou lined up for a 61-yarder instead of trying to go for a touchdown. And he stroked it for the victory and the walk-off win in Columbia at Faroe Field. A huge victory by Mizzou as they move to 3-0 undefeated on the season. That was their first power conference win. Next up for Mizzou Memphis before the SEC schedule starts. And finally, Miami of Ohio. You know, the Cincinnati Bearcats have been the pride of the group of five for a while. They crashed the party of the college football playoff a couple of years ago, and now they are in the Power Five themselves, moving into the Big 12 this season. But before we get to the full Big 12 schedule for the Bearcats, you had a group of five school dragging them back in and say, don't you forget your roots. The Miami of Ohio football team upsets the Bearcats. Here's the Red Hawks Radio Network. Red Hawks rush four, snap his back, dropping back and throwing over the middle. It's intercepted in the end zone. It's over. Pack the equipment truck. It's going to be 12 tons heavier on the way back to Oxford for the first time since 2005. Miami has won the battle for the victory bell. It was 24-all going to overtime. So you had a field goal in the fourth quarter that tied things up for the Red Hawks. Then in overtime, the touchdown to Joe Wilkins Jr. from eight yards out. And that gives Miami of Ohio what it needs to win. And so the Bearcats stunned at home. Again, this was supposed to be a start to the season where everything was coming up roses for the Bearcats. They had just beaten Pitt on the road 27-21 last weekend. So they were feeling good going into the Big 12 schedule. Opens up against Oklahoma at home, Nippert Stadium next weekend. And instead, before they got ahead of themselves, Miami of Ohio gets them an OT, breaking a 16-game losing streak in the series last night in Cincinnati. And that is your excessive celebration. And there was a lot of a lot of games that were way too close for comfort for top-tier programs and coming up at the top of the hour we'll talk about some of those. But the Bulldogs of Georgia struggled with South Carolina and that was in Athens and there were boos raining down on the two-time defending national champs. We mentioned Florida State getting all it could handle from Boston College. Texas was lethargic coming off that victory over Alabama last weekend. UT did not look anything like that same squad messing around with Wyoming and trailing the Cowboys for much of this game. There were a number of squads that were highly ranked that just did not perform well. And Alabama... I mean, look, I I think the way that they got beat by Texas last week, all signs pointed to South Florida was going to get its teeth kicked in because Alabama was going to take out its frustration, its anger, and Nick Saban was going to have these guys as focused as humanly possible. And instead, it was a dreadful game for Bama. 
a dreadful game. If you look at this game, this was a 10-3 Alabama lead on basically the final possession of the game where they punched in one more touchdown to make it look a little bit wider than it is, 17-3. That touchdown by Ty Simpson happened with 33 seconds left in the game. You were talking about a 10-3 game through the fourth quarter. It was, that's as bad as Alabama's looked in a long time, in a really long time. And now when you stack the first three weeks, the loss to Texas, what we saw yesterday against USF, and the way that they had kind of come back down to earth last season as well, it is hard not to feel as though Alabama has a quarterback problem and Alabama is not what it once was. I don't know if this is a permanent status for Bama, but at the moment it it has been nothing like we have seen for many, many years under Saban in Tuscaloosa. Now, today's NFL action week number two, we were just talking about that Lions and Seahawks game coming up from Detroit at Ford Field. The other early kicks The Green Bay Packers will travel to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. The Packers showed a lot of life last week against the Bears as Jordan Love was phenomenal in the victory. The Falcons have some momentum this year as well. B. John Robinson looked great last week. And the Falcons, this is a line that has already moved to Falcons by three just a couple of days ago. As of two days ago, Friday, it was only one and a half. And so money is coming in on the Falcons at home today. Early game, desperate Buffalo. The Bills having lost Monday night against the Jets in crushing fashion and Josh Allen being a disaster throughout that entire game have a chance today to get right. The Raiders come into Buffalo this afternoon and the Bills are more than a touchdown favorite in this game. They have to put away the Raiders Las Vegas is 1-0 after beating the Broncos last week. The Bills obviously are 0-1. In the AFC North, one of the most interesting plot lines of the weekend is going to be, when will the real Bengals show up? They were awful last week against Cleveland and the Browns. Today, they're at home as the Ravens come to town. Cincinnati is a a 3.5-point favorite in this game in Cincy against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Another early kick is in Nashville against the uh, between the Titans and the Chargers. After last week, LA's offense was humming, except in that final drive, but Tua Tungavailoa and the Dolphins were able to make those plays late <clears throat> on the road at SoFi to hand the Chargers an opening weekend loss. The Chargers come into this game as the favorite. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against the Titans. That is an early kick from Nissan Stadium in Nash, Vegas. Bears and Buccaneers. An early kick from Tampa Bay and Raymond James Stadium. The Bears and Justin Fields were just atrocious offensively last week against the Packers. Is this a week to get right? The Buccaneers surprise everybody with a victory in Minnesota in week number one. In this game, the Bucs are a slight favorite by two and a half points, which is a real eye-opener for Chicago. The Bears have come into this week, come into the season with heightened expectations that this was finally going to be a season that they competed for a wild card, perhaps a playoff spot. And instead they're already in week number two, an underdog to the Buccaneers. Not good. Chiefs and Jaguars from Jacksonville. The Chiefs are getting back their stars 
as Chris Jones ends his holdout, the big defensive lineman. He has been re-signed and looks like Travis Kelsey is a go. Reports earlier this morning that Kelsey's knee might not be 100%, but he's good enough to play today. As though the Chiefs will have their full complement going to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars after the Chiefs lost in the opener against the Lions last Thursday night. And your final early game of the day is going to be the Colts and Texans in the AFC South. This one is from Houston as the Colts and Anthony Richardson come into a road game where the Texans are slight favorites. When's the last time that happened? Houston is a one-point favorite at home against Indianapolis. When we come back here on the show, as I mentioned, we had a couple of favorites, big favorites in college football yesterday that did not look like it. What did it teach us? Also, the Dolphins in New England later on tonight. Can the Dolphins pull it off again against the Pats? It's coming up next. DA, Sunday Morning Football on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.